It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. We are having a great show today. But first, I've got a question for you. Would you like to improve your health, strengthen your heart, be happier, enhance calmness and healing, live longer and reduce stress? Well, today's show is going to tell you how to do that. We are talking all about today about kindness and the transformative power of kindness for both ourselves and our world. Um, Kindness really does matter. It is a strength. It's a superpower that has the capacity to transform lives and change the world. And unfortunately, as today's guest, Donna Cameron writes, it is in short supply these days. And boy, we sure know that if you're taking a look at the news or you go out on the streets, get in your car, particularly this time of year. But the good news is that we can all learn to be kinder to ourselves and each other. And today's show is going to inspire you and give you the skills to live more kindly. You also discover the difference between kindness and being nice. And this is something that Donna, our guest, wrote about. And I found this so fascinating. Plus, you'll find out why kindness can help you live a happier, healthier life and how to be kinder to yourself. And I wanted to start by sharing a kindness story because I think so often um, we are looking at everything that's going wrong in the world. If you look at mainstream media, there's so much going on that's wrong. And I have to say, I met uh, our guest Donna Cameron because a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Linda Ulrich on, who is the uh, founder of the Goodness Exchange, which is all about bringing you good news, good news of things people are doing, good news in nature, just just to show that it's still an amazing world and that there is such a capacity for goodness. And uh, uh, Linda did two things. First of all, she connected me with Donna. She's connecting with a bunch of other people because she's got a great podcast and is always looking for amazing stories. Um, and then she also... When she was on my podcast two weeks ago, she's like, well, if something good happens, one of the things you can do to create more goodness in the world is share it. So I want to share this story. So I live across the street from an extraordinary woman who is 84 years young. She is just a dynamo. And she was planning on taking, it's called the Vermonter. It's a train that leaves Burlington, Vermont, and then goes to New York City. It takes about seven and a half hours. And it's been kind of a cool, comfortable way to get to New York City. A lot of my uh, friends and family have been taking it. But anyway, she had one of our other neighbors take her to the train station. She gets on the train with all of her bags, has someone help her put you know, her bag up where it can be stored for the journey. And she realizes, oh my God, I left my purse in the back seat of my friend's car. So here she is on the train in New York City, no purse, no cell phone, no money, nothing at all to read. So instead of like getting off the train or panicking, she decided to rely on the kindness of strangers. So she was able to contact her friend who was able to go ahead and overnight her purse. But in the course of the train ride, she found one person who lent her, her a cell phone so she could contact her friend. 
Um, she found another person who gave her something to read because she's like, oh my God, seven hours. What am I going to do? We're all so used to looking at our cell phones. And then someone else actually lent her money and became a friend who gave her money so that she could get an Uber, so that she could get to her family once she reached New York City and she arrived everywhere in time, everything worked out. And it's just such a beautiful story. And as I was researching this episode, realizing even listening to stories about kindness actually is good for you. It raises your levels of what's called oxytocin, which is the mammalian chemical of care and connection. I think it probably raises serotonin to all of these neurotransmitters. So kindness is incredibly powerful. And the cool thing is that it's a muscle. We can all learn to become kinder. And I've been learning so much from our next guest, Donna Cameron. She spent her career working with nonprofit organizations and causes where she saw kindness in action and was awed by its power to transform. Why she considered herself a reasonably nice person with occasional lapses into bitchiness. I know what that's like. Usually happens to me when I'm hang hangry, hungry and angry. She knew that true kindness asks more of us. When she committed to a year of living kindly, so she did this, she committed to a year of actually living kindly every day. She blogged about it and she learned that it takes practice, patience and understanding and a sense of humor helps. Her book, A Year of Living Kindly, which I have to say is such a fun read, great gift if you are listening to this before Christmas time, Hanukkah time, and you want to get someone a gift. It's The Year of Living Kindly. It's in its eighth printing. It's been recognized with more than a dozen literary awards and several foreign language editions, and it is now available in both digital and print varieties, and you can you know, get it at your favorite bookseller or else get it online as well. And she's going to tell us how we can be kinder and also how to have more fun in midlife. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Donna. So awesome to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Ellen. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me and for sharing that lovely story of your neighbor. What what wonderful examples of um, of kindnesses. That's fabulous. Yeah, it is amazing. And I live on this island that has like 600 residents off season. And it's amazing how kind we are to each other. We actually have a volunteer medical emergency and, and fire department on the islands here. And, you know, islanders are always, we have that front page forum. People are always like giving things away, helping people out, communicating, but it's kind of very cool to live in a community oh. where we interact with each other on a regular basis. And I see so much kindness kindness in action. So I want to know, I've got my curiosity going, why did you embark on this one year journey of living a kind life? What spurred you into going for this? I've always been drawn to kind people and wanted to be more like them. And it's not like I was a super bitch or anything, but I realized that for most of my life, I settled for nice. I was raised by a mother who continually said, be nice, play nice, be nice. But never did she say, be kind. And I I started to see that there's a real difference between the two. And I wanted to go that extra mile and be kind. And because I'm sort of nerdy, I wanted to um, research kindness. I had uh, noticed that there were a lot of studies coming out of major universities and scientific institutions and 
and and other places about the benefits of kindness, the physical benefits of kindness, the benefits of kind workplaces. A lot of research has come out in the last 10 or 15 years. So in addition to trying to, uh, determining that I wanted to spend a year being kinder myself, I really wanted to make a deep dive into kindness and understand it, understand why it's so potent and what some of the research is. So as you noted, I um, I started a blog and was just sharing my experiences. I didn't want it to be all about me. You know, today I gave $3 to the guy on the corner and that sort of thing. I wanted it to be what I was observing and what I was learning and where I was failing. And then also all of these, all of this research about the health benefits, the sleep benefits, the business benefits. Um, one thing I realized very early on, probably by March, was that choosing kindness wasn't something I wanted, I was going to do for a year and then move on to conversational Italian or playing the, <laughs> the oboe or something like that. I really wanted it to be my path for as long as I'm I'm here. So um, what started out as a one-year journey experiment really has become my life's passion. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think the cool thing, and you write about this in the book, and maybe you can give us some ideas, is that doing the blog was a way that committed you to doing it. And so do you have other ideas if people are listening and they want to start by making a commitment, what are things that people can do to they're like, oh, I'd like to live, you know, I'd like to make 2023 a year where I am kinder. Are there ways that you can kind of motivate yourself or kind of close that door to going back to your, some of your old ways? What do you recommend people do? Probably the first thing I would say is start where you are and don't say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and starting tomorrow, I'm going to be the next Mother Teresa or Dalai Lama or something, because it's not going to work. I mean, even though I've now been focusing on kindness for eight years, I still slip. There are times when I'm oblivious or when when I, you know, I say something and that I later regret and or I miss an opportunity to do a kindness. So... I think, you know, most change happens incrementally, um, little things, and then suddenly we, lo we look back and say, how did I get here? And it's because of all these little in incremental steps we take. So I'd say, you know, ask yourself what you could do to be 10% kinder or 5% kinder and start there. And it might just be um, paying more attention or being more aware of your surroundings so that you can hold the door for somebody or, or offer your assistance. Um, it might be uh, withholding judgment, just different things we do. And then also forgive yourself when you slip, when you you realize that you went through a door and the guy behind you was holding a bunch of packages and you let the door fall on in front of him. Um, give yourself kindness. That's a really good place to start too. Uh, I don't think we can give sustained kindness to other people if we haven't learned how to be kind to ourselves. And that's going to be different for everybody. You know, it's understanding what our boundaries are, understanding what we need when we need rest, when we need to, to connect with others, uh, but not thinking that, oh, it's selfish of me to be concerned about 
my own needs. No, you have to start there. Be kind to yourself. Um, and then if as far as blogging, I mean, if you're serious about taking on something new, whether it's kindness or some other thing that you really want to um, want to stick with, for me, blogging was the absolute perfect solution because it made me accountable. I invited a few friends to follow the blog and I knew that if I let my intention slip by the Ides of March or something, that would be really noticeable. So the intention of kindness was something I had set many times before, but but blogging held my feet to the fire and um, and made me accountable. So I love uh, so many things you said. First of all, attention. So look around you and pay attention to the things that you could do, whether that is, you know, paying it forward and buying somebody a cup of coffee who's behind you or the toll, or as you said, opening the door or smiling at someone. And then intention. I find being intentional is incredibly powerful. For me, 2023 is all about more joy and less oi. Um, I really want more joy in my life. And so I start my day. I'm kind of warming up because we're at the end of 22 as we are doing this interview. To, to when I'm doing my morning kind of meditation rituals of just like, okay, my intention today is to do more of the things that bring me joy and less of the things that bring me oi. And I find that when I'm intentional that I realize like most of the things I do throughout my day are joyful, but by actually paying attention to them and having that intention, I notice that which actually makes me much happier. I realized little things like going out for a walk with the dog, even though I'm in Vermont and the weather's kind of good, but it's like, I get to go out to walk the dog. This is fun. I get to do yoga. I get to do this podcast. It brings me joy. But I think it's the same thing with kindness to setting that intention. And I feel like intention and attention and intention are like magnets that you'll start to see opportunities and even like, you know, praying like, okay, help me out here to find some people and opportunities where I can actually be kinder today. That's great. I love that. I think so often what we look for is what we find. And we all know people and they, they, they're lovely people, but they're really good at seeing what's wrong, at noticing that there's a typo in the menu or um, somebody's shirt is button crooked or something like that. And I call it playing gotcha with life. And what they become is, the more they do that, they just become really good at seeing what's wrong. And instead, let's focus on seeing what's right. The poet philosopher Mark Nepo said, be easily pleased. And I just love that. It's what you were talking about, about realizing all the things around us that make us happy, uh, you know, walking the dog, seeing the birds in the trees, just so many things that we often overlook because we're so wrapped up in our, well, sometimes in our devices that, you know, we're looking down at what's in our hand rather than what's around us, but we're also wrapped up in our internal drama and not paying attention. So I think paying attention is one of the key elements of, well, of a good life, of a kind life. Yeah, being more mindful. And I think that when we start to learn how to work productively with our thoughts, with our brains, realizing that 
though our brains are constantly scanning the environment for what is wrong with the world and where the danger might lurk, not not the good things. And so that's that whole idea of when something good happens, when someone is kind to you or you're kind to somebody else or some joy happens, you savor it. Yes. You take yeah. it in and you're just like, oh yeah, this is delicious. Or I think another thing that's lovely to do too, to get you into that frame of mind is to just remember a time in your life where someone was kind to you or you were kind to someone or you were joyful. And even visualizing that and recalling those positive memories can actually elevate your health and well-being. Absolutely true. And I, I would add to that, there's also the intention of if you're going into a a space, you know, whether it's a business meeting or a local party or, you know, even a store, thinking as you enter that door, how can I extend kindness here? What can I do to to expand kindness? And sometimes it's just being an encourager. Um, you know, if you're dealing with a customer service person, expressing your appreciation for their very difficult job and what a great job they're doing, or just the people around you being an encourager is such such a gift to them. And it also creates good <clears throat> karma. I loved the story. I think my favorite story in the book, I haven't finished it yet, is that story that you told about being on the plane and the poor, I don't, steward, the poor woman who was, I don't know if they call them it, who was managing the flight at the front, oh. all these people were, were bitching at her and yelling at her. And you, she was like trying to keep her cool and remain poised. And you walked over to her and you said, you know, you're doing such a great job under all of this pressure. The flight was canceled and she got you on like the next flight out of town. That was just an amazing experience to me. Yes, I was, uh, it was one of those crowded uh, waiting room situations and uh, the plane was just delayed and delayed and people were getting so angry and blaming this poor gate um, attendant. And so I just went up to her and said, I'm so sorry you're having to deal with this. You're doing a wonderful job because I knew I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't have the poise she had. And when I saw her take the call that apparently told her the flight was canceled, she, she, you know, crooked her finger to me to go up to the gate and uh, pulled out, uh, printed out my ticket and sent me down to get a, a different flight at a different gate. And that's when she announced to everybody else that the flight had been canceled. And they, of course, all rushed the, rushed up to her. But it was such, you know, it was such an unexpected gift and a reminder that, you know, I hadn't said something because I was hoping to get something from her. I just said it because I wanted to to acknowledge her. But as I sat on my plane going back going home and not having to do the the crowd thing, I thought, oh my gosh, how powerful a small kindness is. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't cost anything. And actually, yeah. you know, it, it helps both the giver and the receiver. And I think another important point that you make <clears throat> in the book is really that you have no idea what people are going through. You tell another story of, I think it was unruly children and realizing that the reason they were acting like that is their mother had just passed and they had no idea how to, how to incorporate it in, into their reality. Yeah, that's a, a story Stephen Covey tell, told in, right. in one of his books. And it just is such a good reminder that we don't know what's happening in other people's lives. So we need to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that, you know, they're not a jerk. Um, 
engage in curiosity. I think curiosity is a, a huge skill of kindness um, to stop and think rather than have a knee-jerk reaction when somebody says something or does something that we find offensive or hurtful. Stop, you know, pause is another, another key um, skill, but stop and think, maybe there's something going on here that I don't know that this person might be just stressed to the limit or there's something happening in their life that caused them to say or do that. Um, why don't I give them a little slack? And then, you know, occasionally we do that. We're the person who speaks sharply or does something that we later think, oh, that wasn't my best self. And we hope people will give us the benefit of the doubt and, and say, oh, she's probably just having a bad day. So we can do that for others too. Yeah, the, the book reminds me that we really are all in this together. I know <laughs> that we live in this culture with so much division, but we are all homo sapiens and human beings evolve with this ability to be empathetic, to have mirror neurons where we can actually interact with other humans and know what people might be feeling and realizing that we have so much uh, more in common than not. And I think when we're kind and we just see someone as, yeah, that's just another human who is just going through things. We really connect with people. And I'm, I'm curious in your research, I'd love to talk about the, the research around the health benefits. I would think some of it too, is that it, it helps to really decrease loneliness. Like we know that loneliness is as bad as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day in terms mm -hmm. of your health and well-being. Seems to me that when we are kind, we are connecting with people at a heart level, and it's so good for our health and happiness. I think that's really true. Um, a lot of people, I think, hesitate to extend a kindness because they're embarrassed. They're afraid they might be clumsy. Um, they might they don't know how the other person is going to respond. They might misunderstand or they might reject a kindness. But having the courage, and I really think it takes courage to, to extend kindness. Once we've done it a few times, it I won't say it becomes our default setting, but it becomes easier every time. So it's so wonderful to practice. And and your comment about loneliness, one of one piece of research that I found just fascinating, it came out of the University of British Columbia, was that kindness alleviates social anxiety, even in people who are um you know, debilitatingly shy and 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 have trouble in any kind of social situations and panic attacks and things. If they start focusing on kindness, um, you know, looking for kindness around them or looking for a small kindness that they can extend, it alleviates that anxiety. And and I would think it would probably be very similar with loneliness. If if we reach out, we can can make those connections, but. It, it means overcoming some fear. Yeah. And I love that you use the word courage too, which means a path with heart. Yeah. So yeah. following your heart and anxiety, of course, is like fear about the future. And I think what happens is you probably with between the mindfulness and focusing on others, you're, you're turning off that default mode network in the brain that is kind of creating that anxiety of what could go wrong and where do I fit in? And instead you're focusing on other people and realizing too, that gosh, there must be other people here who feel the same way that I do. This is this common humanity piece. I talk a lot yeah. about self-compassion of realizing that 
most people feel a little nervous when they go into social situations, even those who are extroverts. I happen to be an extrovert myself and I like to socialize, but there's always that little bit of like, I'm going to, you know, a holiday party tomorrow. I haven't seen some of these people in years since before the pandemic of like the nervousness of like, yeah. will I see people that I know and do I look okay? And, you know, will I fit in? But that's such a great, um, such a great tip. If you are someone who experiences social anxiety to focus on being kind to others and take some of that pressure off yourself. Exactly. Yes. Well, we are going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Donna Cameron. She is the author of A Year of Living Kindly. It is a fabulous book. If you are looking for a holiday gift or you just want a good read yourself, I love the book because then we can talk about this after the break, the way that you divide it into really talking about what kindness is and the distant seasons of kindness that you went to. And I want to let you know that if you are looking to rock your midlife in 2023, I have created a new program, which is called Midlife Reboot. It is going to be a group program three weeks long that is going to help you to have more joy, more confidence, and also more energy. Because I find that that is something that women at midlife really are wanting to. And I actually just, my producer said, we have three minutes to the break. So we actually have an, another couple of minutes. So maybe we'll ask Donna one more question before we, we take that break. Um, let's talk a little bit before we take a break about um, kindness and nice. Aren't they the same or are they different? I'm sure in some people's view, they're, um, the difference is merely semantic. But for me, I really see a, a strong difference between the two. Nice is easy. Nice is doing the polite thing. It's doing the expected thing. It doesn't really involve a lot of risk. I can I can be nice to someone and still make judgments about them, still be impatient and think, oh, when is this going to be over? I can be nice and still be kind of indifferent and not care if they're getting what they need out of our interaction. It doesn't ask that much of me, but I think kindness really does ask more. It asks me to suspend judgment for one thing, um, to not not be making a judgment about the per the person that I'm interacting with. Um, and then as I, as we talked about a little earlier, kindness asks us to take some risk um, because we don't know how our kindness will be received. And, and the other person might not be in a place where they can get it or, or understand it. So they might reject it or, or I might do it clumsily, you know, especially when we're starting out, um, you know, maybe it doesn't come across as smoothly, as suavely as we hope it would do, or it might call unwanted attention to us. I think kindness in some ways makes us vulnerable. Um, I sort of think of kindness as a verb, an action word. Um, it asks me to jump in, to, to offer some assistance, to a word that you've used a couple of times to be intentional about creating a positive experience or interaction. Um, I, I often say that, you know, to sum up kindness in two words, extend yourself. It really means going beyond, you know, my safe confines of my, um, my comfort zone and taking some risk, extend yourself. 
I think the energy is really different. I think about yeah. nice a little bit like being a people pleaser. Like it's all about you're focusing on yourself and I'm going to be nice because I want people to like me. Whereas kindness is I want to, like you said, extend myself, love you, take care of you, ease your pain, put a smile on your face where you are extending yourself in a different way. You don't have to do it, but I, I have a lot of clients who struggle with this people pleaser. And I think it's something that our generation really does struggle with. And I think kindness is that focusing on the other, whereas nicest seems like you're focusing on yourself because you want to people to like you and you don't want to create any waves. Oh, I think that's a good, that's a good distinction. Yeah. I, I think to add to that, kindness is acting in a way, modeling how you want the world to be. What kind of a world do you want to live in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are going to take a break. And if you want to be kind to me, please leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. Rock Your Midlife is available on all the platforms. And I would love to know what you think about the show. If you want to reach out to me, just go to the midlifewhisperer.com. You can connect with me there if you're interested in my Reboot Midlife program. And I would be happy to share that information with you and answer any questions. So we are going to take a, a little break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about skills that you you can develop to live more kindly in your life. You're listening to Rock Your Midlife. We'll catch you in a few moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents dealing with menopause, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. 
speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you are learning a lot about kindness. Hey, I would love it if you shared a story, if you wanted to call that listener line and share a story of a time you've been kind and how it made you feel or a story about some time that someone was kind to you. I'm always amazed. I think I talked a little bit about my breast cancer diagnosis, but I have to say so much kindness. I was just floored by the level of care and and deep kindness that people show to me, particularly where, you know, we were still kind of in the pandemic. And I know that a lot of medical people working in the medical field had a lot of fatigue. And I have to say, I've had been shown so much kindness and have been able to repeat pay that forward a little bit to help other women who are struggling with that. I think so. I've had some really wonderful conversations of people who have been diagnosed and just being able to be supportive. So it really does help you to feel good and be happier. And it actually improves your, your physical health and well-being. So love to know Donna, who we're talking with now, who's written this great book, A Year of Living Kindly. What keeps us from being kind? Even though we want to be kind, what's getting in the way? What are the blocks to kindness? I think there are several. The, the first one is is probably fear. Uh, and fear comes in a lot of different different flavors. We've talked about it a little, you know, fear of of putting ourselves out there, of making ourselves vulnerable, of of rejection. Uh, so getting past that is 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 a big key. Another one is time. I've I've found it fascinating that when I'm out speaking about kindness, a lot of people will come up to me after a talk and say, I really would like to be kinder, but I don't have time. I'm just so busy. And, um, you know, there, there's there's no, nothing around that. We are busy. We, you know, most of us are overscheduled and overwhelmed, and it can take time to to be kind to stop and you know talk to someone as we hand them a couple of bucks or to go out of our way to help someone or to to teach somebody rather than jumping in and saying oh let me do it i can do it faster all of those things do take some time but i think if we sort of tweak how we think about both kindness and time we can we can get rid of that that concern. I, I started thinking about kindness as my job. You know, my number one job was to be a kind person, and that way, you know, it's taking a little time to help somebody um, wasn't wasn't a big deal. Um, it wasn't kindness. Isn't something that we look at as an add-on when it's convenient or you know when we have time for it it's it's the lens that we view life through so um that time element you know it's a big one and i and i i won't say it's not important but i think i think if we just look a little bit differently at it uh it's not a big concern and then <clears throat> excuse me being oblivious uh, we talked about this a little bit too <clears throat> excuse me, 
But, um, you know, being so involved in our devices or our, our own internal concerns that we don't notice what's happening around us. Uh, I think also over the last couple of years, some of us have have forgotten some of the social niceties. We've forgotten how to stop and say thank you and please and those things. So we just need to practice a little. Um, you know, keeping score is another one. Uh, this is something that I noticed and it it really surprised me, but then became a big aha. A lot of us tend to keep score in our lives. We we don't invite another couple over because it's their turn to invite us. Or we we think about, well, did I give him a present as nice as the one he gave me? Or um, whose turn is it to empty the dishwasher? Uh, or, you know, in a couple, whose turn is it to initiate romance? All these things we keep score on. And um, if we just let go of that, uh, there's so much more joy and so much less resentment in our relationships. So those are some of the things. I think laziness is another um, another thing. We tend to stay in our comfort zones, and it's so easy to just stay that and stay there and not get up and go help. Yeah, it feels like there's layers, right? Yeah. It feels like this sort of I have no time is kind of like a layer, these excuses that we put on because we are not being paying attention and being intentional and maybe even understanding how beneficial it is and how what a difference we can absolutely make. Yeah. I feel like the, the, the real issue is the fear that we have, the fear of looking vulnerable, the fear of looking silly. Will someone, you know, what'll happen if I open up this door for someone or help somebody with packages um, because a lot of these things really don't take any time. It doesn't take any more time to be at the checkout line and smile at the person who's checking you out and saying, hey, I really appreciate you doing your job. Thank you so much for being here today, yeah. helping me you know, bag my groceries. It doesn't have to necessarily take more time to be kind, but I think there is this fear. Uh, and there's also, I think that, you know, that vulnerability that you know, Bene Brown talks about so much of just, you know, connecting heart to heart with another human being and saying, you know, I see you and I appreciate you. And I want to let you know that, you know, I, I care about you or you're doing a good job or thank you for being here today. So I think it, I think it's a habit that we can form over time. Did you find that yourself? When did it sort of click in and become a little bit more habitual for you or did it? Um, well, yeah. Um... I think it has, although, uh, you know, admittedly, I'm not a paragon and I still slip. But I think it was when I started reminding myself to ask what I can do in this situation to bring more kindness to it. And whether that's um, not responding to someone who who says something that's sort of provocative or rude or saying something to them to to acknowledge that I, I know you're having a hard day and you're doing a great job. Uh, it's it's a an ongoing lesson, but uh, it really does it does pay off and becomes easier. And then the magic is when you get to the point where you think, oh, there's going to be an opportunity to be kind here. I can't wait to find it. That's cool. Yeah. What are the, some of the ways that your year of living kindly impacted <clears throat> your well-being? Oh, it was just 
so much fun. Uh, you know, I started out thinking it was just going to be a small thing that I was doing and a few friends were going to maybe be following the blog and and I would be sharing what I was learning and and had my nerd flag flying with all the research. Um, but I connected with so many people and a lot of people started following the blog. So all of these people that I had not known before started commenting and sharing their stories of kindness and then i had opportunities to go out and speak to groups and meet people who would share their stories of kindness and it just reminded me of how much kindness there is in the world i mean certainly there's no question that we're seeing a lot of um of unkindness too but there's so much kindness out there and one of the things um that I learned early on that was a big aha is that kindness is contagious. Uh, if we experience it, even if we only witness it, we're more likely to be kind in our next encounters. But on the same side, science has shown that unkindness and rudeness and incivility are contagious. So if we see that, if we experience it, we don't have to, you know, even just being a witness to it, tends to make us behave badly or rudely in our next encounters. So that to me was a huge aha in that I have a choice of which contagion I want to spread. And, you know, especially after three years of pandemic, where we're talking about this daily, I see kindness as potentially an epidemic that, you know, maybe in 2023, we can replace all the incivility we've been seeing with with kindness. Why do you think we're seeing so much um, incivility and particularly on social media? Oh, well. And in the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's more than there was before. It's just more visible. I think we saw some norms over the last few years that people didn't cross before that suddenly it was okay. Uh, I I spoke right before the pandemic, I was invited to speak at a high school and a local high school and the kids were just wonderful, but they were, they were concerned about what they were seeing. They were, I remember one girl standing up and asking me, why should we be kind when we're seeing our political leaders call names and tell lies and and be incredibly uncivil uh, you know and that's hard to answer these are the people that supposedly are modeling to the young people what the world's supposed to look like um, but instead of of falling for that they were creating committees to welcome new students or to make sure that you know a, a they had a bench at the high school where if anybody was lonely or didn't have anybody to eat with they could go and join people on that bench they were doing some really creative things to extend kindness throughout the high school and that just gave me so much hope for the world um as far as social media goes I think we're guilty of propagating it in some ways because we share some of this bad behavior. When Dr. Linda was on your your uh, show a, a week or two ago, she said, and and I absolutely believe, 
what we click on, we're voting for. So if we're giving our attention to these people who are who are name calling and trolling and uh, being incredibly disrespectful, even if we disagree with them, by giving them our attention, we're fueling them. So uh, it's going to take some time, but I think if enough of us finally say no more, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to follow this person. I'm not going to click on them. I'm not going to fuel them by arguing with them. Um, kindness doesn't mean we have to interact with everybody. I think we, you know, we can we can be selective about who who we will will um, interact with. And also what media we choose. I mean, I think that the mainstream Absolutely. media, when I read my morning newspaper, which I sort of glance through, 90%, especially on the front page, is all negative news media because if it we live in this, if it bleeds, it leads culture. And yeah. you know, my story about my next door neighbor and her losing her personal, that kindness is not going to make the news. No, no. Which and is that why it's it's great that you know people like Dr. Linda are doing things where you have opportunities, like she was saying two weeks ago on my show, that you can choose what you want to pay attention to, and the algorithm will learn that. And the more yeah. the you know the AI understands what you are interested in, the more of that type of thing will show up in your feed. So you can consciously make a change in terms of what shows up for you and what shows up for other people. Exactly. Yeah. And her her uh, site, her social media site, The Goodness Exchange, is a perfect example of people sharing stories, some of them very big, but some of them just small um, human interactions that inspire us. It's wonderful. So do you feel like we have to be kind to everyone? No, no, I really don't. Um, because there are some people who who have no interest in in being civil they you know they like being trolls they like the attention it, they get they're fueled by it and we just you know sort of add to their fuel if we pay attention to them so uh now that doesn't mean we should be in uncivil to them but it doesn't mean we have to to connect with them at all it's it's a choice and i think it's a kindness to ourselves and to the world if we let those people you know fall to the wayside and and spew their um their hate hatred and their fear you know i i do feel sorry for them because i think a lot of those people are very afraid you know the world may be changing in ways that doesn't favor them anymore or um or they don't understand and they're acting out in ways that it's all they know how to do uh so i think you know depending on who you're dealing with being civil and being kind to them might get through, but then there's a whole group of people who they're not going to change and and we don't need to waste our time or energy on them. And we also don't need to be kind to people who treat us poorly and are unkind to us. And in Rock Your Midlife, I talk all about rehabbing yeah. relationships and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And certainly when people don't treat you well, you can try to be kind and courteous, but it's okay also to say like, you know what, this is not where my energy should be spent. 
Um, so not, it's okay to, to not be kind to everybody. So I want to talk a little bit. We've got a few minutes left. I want to dive into self-kindness because that's one of my, one of my favorite topics. And we were talking between, uh, during the break when we were off air about how people, particularly women feel really guilty when they are kind to themselves. And I say this all the time when I'm working with something called immunity to change and I'm talking with someone and she's like, I don't know why I don't do the meal planning. I don't know why I don't, you know, go to the gym or do that yoga class or read that book, take that long soak. I want to do these things. It's not like I don't like eating right and be in exercising. And when we dig deep, it's like, oh, every time I put myself first, I feel guilty. And this guilt can be so overwhelming that it shuts you down. See the guilt or they feel like, well, if I'm not available to my kids and my grandkids 24 seven, that I won't be loved and needed. So I think we have this, you know, immunity to change the system that we need to shine a light on. I'd love to take, have your take. We can, then we perhaps can talk a little bit about ways to be kinder to ourselves, but what's your take on why people, particularly women have so much trouble being kind to themselves? Well, I think it's just sort of a cultural, historical view that um, women need to put others first and and uh, and that self-care or self-kindness is is selfish. Uh, but you know, I go back to every motivational speaker practically that I've ever seen has says, remember when you go on a plane and somebody said, and the flight attendant says, um, if there shall be a change in pressure, your oxygen mask will drop, be sure to put yours on first. And that's, you know, it's a an overworked me- uh, metaphor, but it's absolutely true. If we aren't if we aren't taking care of ourselves, we don't have the energy, the wherewithal to, to take care of others. And um, each of us has to recognize what that means for us. It might be changing our negative self-talk. A lot of us have these tapes in our heads that just continually tell us all the things we're doing wrong or all the things we are not doing enough of or we're doing too much of. Um, it might be knowing who who we want to spend our time with and who we don't want to spend our time with, setting boundaries, um, and just knowing those little things that that make us happy and and knowing that we're worth it. You know, we're we're valuable too. So taking that time to read a good book or to take a bubble bath or whatever it might be, it's not selfish. It's essential and it's how we're able to have the energy to care for others. I guess the other thing that I would add, that it's sort of a kind of self-care is, but it's also a skill of, of kindness, and that's being able to receive. Um, a lot of us, and I, I'm thinking mostly of women, but I think it's true of some men too, we're really good givers. We're really good at giving to everybody and knowing what they need and you know, going out there and doing our all for others. But then when somebody tries to give to us, we demur. We say, oh, no, 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 don't, no, no, I don't need that. Thank you. And we we refuse gifts, you know, even even actual material gifts or, or um, a seat on the bus. If somebody offers their seat to us on the bus, oh, no, 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 I don't need that. Um, or compliments. Or we don't, yeah, I was going to say, we don't even accept compliments. Compliments, so I, I think that- yeah. 
that too, that I think in our hustle culture, you know, you had alluded to, you know, people who say they have no time that self-care can just feel like one more thing on your to-do list between doing the laundry and getting that, that, uh, report finished. And I feel like there's this burden. I think we need to think about self-care differently. Self-care can be, I just shut my eyes for 30 seconds and just take a little break. Or even, you know, I make sure that I have enough water or I get a standing desk and move around. But I think we need to rebrand self-care a little bit and look at it as, you know, how am I being kind to myself? How am I treating my body, my mind, my heart? Where am I at with relationships? What do I need today? And then sticking in these little breaks throughout our day so that we feel good. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if it's really, really hard for you, you can reframe it too and say self-care, accepting, accepting somebody else's kindness or, or giving myself some self-care is a gift to others. So it's not, it's not selfish. It's a gift to somebody else by being, being my best, strongest, um, most open self. And I loved what you said too about being judgmental, not being judgmental, being kind. And that's the sort of the first element of self-compassion is talking to yourself like a good friend, being kind in your self-talk and not judgmental. And I know it takes time, but um, I know for myself, I've been practicing self-compassion for about a decade and I look in the mirror and I like what I see and I forgive myself and I let things go and I try to talk to myself in a positive way. And when I make a mistake and feel bad, I'm like, okay, I'm human. That's the second element is common humanity, knowing that we all fail, we all make mistakes. And then that mindfulness element where you notice when you are stressed and struggling and feeling overwhelmed and you can just give yourself what you need. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of it is like, like kindness, self-kindness and kindness to others. It truly is a muscle and it is something that we can go to the kindness gym every single day. I think every day we get an opportunity to hit reset, hit reboot, start again, decide like, okay, today I'm just going to be a little kinder to myself and other people. And I'm going to notice what difference it makes in my life. Mm -hmm. So true. It takes practice, you know, just like if we want to be a better tennis player or piano player, you know, we're not going to play a, you know, a symphony the first time we sit down at the piano, but the more we practice, the better we get at it and the more joy we derive from it too. So yeah, it takes practice, but it's a joyful practice. Yes, it is. And it's, and I want to say we only have about two minutes left, but I know that one thing you're doing at midlife too, is you're having more fun. It's interesting that this whole kindness practice has led to you being more joyful and having more fun in your life. Can you tell us a couple of things that you're doing that uh, are lighting you up? I really am having more fun. And, and I wouldn't say it's that I'm doing different things. I think I'm just bringing a different attitude to them. Um, we sold our company a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, which turned out to be very good timing. So I'm not working full time anymore. And I used to work ridiculous hours, but I loved it and wouldn't change that for anything. But now I just have so much more time in my life. And I think I'm just more aware of the things around me, small things, big things. Um, and, you know, it's a transition going from working 70 hours a week to, to having all this time, but it's a lovely transition. And 
I think I'm trying to honor it and be aware of the fact that going into this next stage of my life, maybe you call it old age or, you know, older age, it can be a tragedy or it can be a great adventure. And I'm looking at it as a great adventure. And so as much, you know, as much fun as I can have, whether it's going hiking or, or reading all the books that I I want to read, um, or just interacting, re, re, um, reigniting friendships has been That's, wonderful. Yeah, awesome. We have to go. We have to wrap it up. I think okay. we could talk all day about kindness. Donna, thank you so much for being here. The book is A Year of Living Kindly. Thank you all kindly for listening. I'd love to hear what you think about the show. Leave me a review and we will catch you next week. You're listening to Rock Your Midlife. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.